Um, I want to say one couple of things before we get into the word this morning. First of all, I want to thank you all for your um, somebody's phone for your giving over the last month. I know it's been a big demand on you. We had a little thing, a little hurricane that came through here. And did you know uh, uh, Ocracoke was uh, the biggest uh, problem, was the hardest hit? Over um, 95% of the houses had uh, water in them, uh, most of them in the three to four foot range. Uh, 60 out of 62 houses of the people who go to Ocracoke Assembly of God uh, lost their homes. And um, because of your generosity and, and, the, and the Convoy of Hope went in there and they're still there, and um, I think the district gave uh, 15000 to help uh, with those, uh, those needs there, and uh, you gave close to 1000 of that, so a little over 800 so thank you. Um, and we were one of the, the few churches who actually did something, and that's uh, that I, I commend you for that. And you, you gave generously to Jim White and to uh, to uh, Jonathan Edwards, and uh, and you continue to give generously to the needs of this church. So uh, thank you for your uh, faithfulness. I mean, you shouldn't have to be thanked, but I, I want to thank you because it's over and above. When you give offerings, over and above. And uh, what we do with this Operation Christmas Child every year is an awesome thing, and um, if you need those lists of what to put in those boxes, all, all that's out there. They provided it for you. So, so thank you. And um, I want to just uh, begin. Uh, I went uh, Monday night to hear Jonathan again at uh, Archdale Assembly of God, and another powerful move was great evening and and uh, um, just uh, you know the presence of God was there. He was here. Um, We've experienced days like that many times in here, and uh, it's because I was thinking about the services last week a little bit, and, and um, um, we were ready to enter into that. You were. I was. And um, um, we anticipated a, a move of God. But I guess I have to ask the question, did you anticipate the same move today? And, and I, I, know, I know we do, we say that, but there's a, there's a different level of excitement, uh, honestly. And, um, but can I tell you the same Jesus is here? Amen. The same anointing is here, you know? So um, the, the presence of God was powerful as we expected God to meet us in both services, and he, and he did. Um, and uh, I, I, so I, I just, I, I want to come in here ready to worship and just, Expect what God wants to have done, done, you know. Um, Jonathan said we are in a kairos moment. Kairos, for those of you who may not remember, is a Greek word for time. Chronos is the, like, chronographer, you know, is a, is a is time and uh, dealing with natural time. But kairos is a supernatural time. It's God's time. And um, it, it's a particular point in time in God's timetable when something's been set up to happen. You know, it's part of the, the plan of God. And... and uh, I believe that he said we are in that moment. I have said that for some time. The convergence of God's time and God's people and the God's place at just the right moment and circumstances that we prayed for and believed for are coming together and for such a time as this. So, um, you know, I believe that we're in that moment if we can receive it. The question is where we go from here. And um, uh, what happened to us here last Sunday and what the Lord's been saying to us over the last several months, I was going to put up a PowerPoint, but 
If you, have, uh, if you haven't already downloaded the uh, AFA Church app, you need to do that because uh, you can keep up with what's going on. We can let you know when notices are happening and special situations are coming up. But, but if you go over the list from starting back in the summer, um, there's, been a, there's been a theme, hasn't there? Uh, I preached on power, purpose, and presence, the new you know, theme that we have. And, and uh, uh, while I was gone, Joelle preached on it, and Dave's, Dave's mentioned it, and... Uh, Jonathan now preached it again, talking about he had four points to his sermon. If you recall about the favor of God, he talked about protection and provision and purpose and power, or per power or purpose, whichever. And so there it continues. And, and you know, and, and Dave and I have preached out of Luke 4 about the anointing of God. And then Jim White was here talking about we need an oil change and, and more anointing, a fresh anointing. And, and Jonathan talked about that yesterday, last Sunday, about an impartation and an anointing. Anointing and uh, uh, so we could have God's power and anointing. And so do you feel like God is trying to tell us something? You know? Um, I know that he's moving. I know that he's up to something. I know that uh, he's been preparing and equipping us for this moment in time. And now the time has come and now we have to move into it. And, um, uh, but in order for us to move into that and accomplish the purpose that God has set before us, it's going to require us to begin to do something with it, not just sit here. And uh, there's a destiny for you, as Laura said, uh, for, you know, to, uh, that God has a plan, and we're going to step into that. God has a plan for this body. Um, we believe that. Uh, we also know that who much of given, you know, when God gives much, uh, he requires much. So uh, we've received an impartation. Uh, but in order for... Um, in order for a muscle to get stronger, you have to use it. If you don't use it, it just atrophies. It, it withers away. Uh, Pastor Connie had a, uh, she tore a, a, a calf muscle, and she's been going to rehab so to, to get that muscle strengthened back up because if you don't, it'll just shrink, and, and it withers away. And uh, so, um, you know, the word of the Lord is kind of like that. If we don't walk into it and uh, uh, exercise it with faith and begin to do what we hear, not just hear only, um, then, we're, then we're, it doesn't do us any good. Um, I, I'm not going to spend any more time on what has happened and what happened last week and, and, and all that, but I, I have a word from the Lord for you today, uh, fresh manna, uh, but, but it goes to that, and, and I want to I help us. You know, I gave a word last, last Sunday night in another church, and And, and I just got this vision of, you know, we have a very mature body in here. Some of you have been saved for a long time. Most of you could stand up here and preach or teach as well as I can. And you teach Sunday school and you have a knowledge of the word and, and uh, an impartation and, and anointing. And it's, that's all good. Uh, I see us sometimes, though, as big sponges, you know, that are filled up. You know, when you have a sponge and it soaks up all the water, you know, in order to put any more water into it, you have to squeeze the sponge, don't you, and drain it of the water. I guess what the vision that comes to me is, is if you don't ever squeeze anything out, why do you need any more? It's already saturated. How can you possibly contain any more? But the point is not to be saturated. The point is to give it out. It's when Jesus said, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water, in order for a river to flow, 
you have to, it has to have an, it has to have some place to go. And so as it goes, more comes in. So if I've been giving out all week and then I come in here and get my batteries recharged or get the anointing filled back up, then I got more to go or I spend time in the presence of the Lord. He fills me up so I can give it out some more. But if you're not giving anything out, why do you need any more? That was just didn't cost any extra. Just throw it out there. I preached a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago, um, about our identity in Christ. And I, I had a little name tags for everybody, and I told you to write on them, child of God. You still have that? Or, you know, I didn't put it on. It's in my Bible. And I remind myself of who I am. And, and so I told us that we were heirs and joint heirs with, of, of God. We're, we're his children. Um, that's part of our identity. I spoke a couple weeks ago also on the mystery revealed that that we have the third person of the Trinity has taken up residence inside of us. And not only that, we are carriers of the DNA of heaven. We're new creatures in Christ Jesus. That's part of our identity also. We're not only, we're not only children of God, but as such, as children of God, we are supernatural, spiritual heirs, representatives of the kingdom of God on earth for God. And, and carriers of the DNA of heaven means that wherever I go, you know, did you know wherever you go, you're shedding skin and hair and all that? You're leaving DNA behind you wherever you go. As carriers of the DNA of heaven, we should be leaving the DNA of heaven behind us in our trail as we go through life. And if we're not, then, well, I don't know. Um, so I, I want to help you today. I want to take this idea of identity a little bit farther and uh, I want you to turn your Bibles uh, to, to Romans chapter 5, verse 17. And I'll put it up here on the screen for you. And it says in the NIV, the 1986 version of the NIV, um, because the 2011 version is weird. Um, anyway, if by the trespass of one man... Adam, death reigned through that one man. And because of the sin of Adam, death came into the world and death reigned. How much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace, that's you and me, okay, and the gift of righteousness reign in life through one man, Jesus Christ? If death came into the world through the sin of one man, Adam, and now that's been changed and, and that's been paid for, and now life is, is now reigning in this world, how much more shall the heirs of righteousness, you and me who believe on Jesus Christ, reign in life, in this life, in this time, at this, at this moment, in, in this moment, in this Kairos moment that we're talking about? Okay? When Adam lived, Adam had dominion and rule over all that he saw until he fell. Adam was king, if you will, of his world. And so we know that when sin came, death entered the world. Satan became the god of this world. He, he deceived Adam and he even took over all of what God had planned for him. But and he is a killer, a liar, a thief, a, you know, all those things, all those adjectives. He's an accuser. 
a destroyer of everything good. But the good news is that this is what we have been called to share with the world. This is the DNA in heaven is that he has been defeated. He has been destroyed. He may be still wandering about as, as a roaring lion in this world, seeking whom he may devour. But the good news is Jesus already beat him. And he came and defeated him. They took back the keys to death, hell, and the grave. And now he's given the opportunity for the people who believe in him to reign in life, in this life now. What Adam threw away, Jesus got back. You know, this is old, old, old story for you. He restored everything. And he's given us as believers, all of that dominion and authority back. The problem is the church, 90% of the church has no idea. Well, in America and the Western Europe, I, I will say that because I think in Africa and India, most of them are Pentecostals. But I will say the, the Western church has no concept of what I just said. They believe that Jesus is going to come back at some point in time and he's going to, we're going to be caught up to meet him in the air and we'll descend with him and we're, we will rule and reign in this world for a thousand years called the millennial reign of Christ and then this world will be destroyed and there'll be a new heavens and a new earth and we'll be in the new Jerusalem for, the, for eternity. Okay. That is all true. But what does verse 17 say there? He said, the gift of righteousness makes us reign in life through Jesus Christ. That's now. That's not just later, but now. Okay? Now, I, I know that this is you know, a tough concept to grasp but because we don't feel sometimes like we're reigning, but we're called to reign. And, and to establish that, I want to talk about this concept. I want you to turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. And I'm going to read through the first 10 verses. And I'm going to particularly talk to you about verse 5 and verse 9. The concept that's going to be, that I'm going to teach you today, can I put my teaching hand on for a while? Sometimes you're an exhorter and sometimes today I'm going to teach you. There's, there's a word, there, there's an expression. Anybody ever hear Martin Luther? Did you know you're in this church today because of what Martin Luther's revelation was? Martin Luther discovered that the just shall live by faith. And he nailed 95 points, called a thesis, on the wall, on the door of the Wittenberg Cathedral where he was a professor. It was a Catholic church. He was a monk. And one of the revelations that he had was, if the just shall live by faith, it was also had, the just also had access to heaven because of Jesus Christ on their own. Now, this is a major revelation because the Catholic Church teaches that you need an intercessor. You need an intermediary to go between you and God. And that's why the priesthood exists. I'm a pastor. I'm, I'm, I'm one of the five-fold ministry. But I don't exist to help to, to take your prayers and go to heaven with them. I exist to train you to do that to equip the church for the work of the ministry. But the Catholic Church and others, and, and so this is a major revelation. What Martin Luther discovered was that every believer is a priest. 
called the priesthood of believers. It's a major theological teaching. I don't have time to go into all that, but I will hit the essence of it for you, okay? And I know some of you know this, but this, if you catch this, this is part of your identity. You'll, you'll be able to further understand, you know, when I say receive it, well, but Lord, I have, I'm in, did you know you're in the throne room right now? Well, I don't feel like it. I know I'm sitting in Asheville First Assembly. In Christ, you're seated with him. And he's seated on the throne at the Father's right hand. He's in the throne room. We have access to the mercy seat. We have access to heaven. We, we have boldness to be able to go into the very presence of God and say, Lord, see my need. Lord, thank you that you've already met my need, really. Okay, let's, let's read this. I'll get far too far afield. So Peter's writing this to the church, and he says, Wherefore, laying aside all anger and, and guile, wouldn't that be nice if our politicians would catch that one, and, and hypocrisies, oh my goodness, evils and envies and evil speaking, okay? As newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow from it. Babies grow by milk. Now, I know we're not babies, but he's, and, and he's trying to say, yeah, we need meat, but that's not the point. He says, lay aside all the... <laughs> all the little ways you try to deceive people and all the ways that you think you're deceiving God and yourself. And he says, just desire the word, okay, so that you can grow from it. Now, if so be that you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Do you know God is good? We just said it, yeah. To whom coming, then, as unto a living stone... Jesus was the stone that the builders rejected. He's the chief cornerstone of the foundation of the truth of God. He is the word of God. Everything is built upon it. Okay, Men didn't want him, but he was chosen of God, and it's precious. You also, now catch this, are lively stones. You are the building, the handing work of God, he's saying. So Jesus was the stone the builders rejected, and upon that he's building his church, and we're the church, and we're built as lively stones, are built a spiritual house. Now, this is what he says. You are a holy priesthood. Holy is pure, but it also means consecrated. Set apart for God's purposes. So why? So we can offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Now, we know that we're to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. That's a reasonable act of worship. That's what it says in Romans 12 too. But, but beyond that, we can offer up praise. We can offer up prayer. We can offer up our money. We can offer up our lives. We can do it. But there's so much more to that, and I will get into that in just a moment. So we're, we're called a holy priesthood. To offer up sacrifices. Did you know what a sacrifice is? A sacrifice means it costs you something. We go through life unwilling to sacrifice because it costs us. But God says if you don't die to self, if you don't offer up a sacrifice, if it hasn't cost you anything, how can you call it an offering? David said, I won't give it if it doesn't cost me something. Okay, To go beyond my natural ability. Now, therefore, she says, so I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, Jesus, elect, the precious, and he that believes on him shall not be confused, confounded, dis, dis, you know, done away with anything. Okay, go on. Now, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. Go to the next verse, please. 
Uh, even to them who would stumble at the word. The world doesn't understand it. The Jews didn't understand it. It's a, it's a stumbling block. They, they were looking for Jesus to come on a white horse. Well, he is eventually, but they didn't see a suffering servant king. They saw a, a triumphant overcoming king. They didn't understand, so they rejected him. He was a stumbling block, a rock of offense. you telling me the man died and he rose again? That's, that's, that's foolishness to the world. Now, but you... Say me. I am. Say this after me. I am a chosen generation. God called you for this time. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. A peculiar people. Peculiar doesn't mean weird, although some be qualified. It means purchased. By God, you're his own. He owns us, okay? So you are a chosen generation. He chose you. Even though you chose him, he chose you because you chose him. You're a royal priesthood. And we'll talk about what that means. A holy nation, a set-apart people, okay? One that he paid for, his own. Why? So that we can show forth the praises of him who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. If you were here last Sunday morning, you heard Ollie Joyce give a word of prophecy about called us out of darkness into the light. This is where, she, where it comes from, okay? So he, you were in darkness of sin. You, were, you had death was reigning over you. But now he's called you out of the darkness of that sin and death. He's called you into his marvelous light of life. And, and Jesus, who is the light of the world, in which time past you were not a people. You were disowned by God. You, you had a future that was hell. He said, but now you're the people of God. Now you are children of God. Amen, that's us. We had not obtained mercy, but because of faith in Jesus Christ, we have obtained mercy. Okay, now go back, put verse nine back up there for me and leave it up there for a moment. Well, I'll tell you what, put that slide up. Go ahead and put the slide up. So who are we? Royal priesthood, okay? Now, I, I don't think we, we, this is another one of those things where it, it takes some revelation, it takes some comprehension, okay? The amount of the kingdom of God that's in us, flowing through us, will determine how much, well, let me go back up for a second. What does a king do? He reigns, he rules, Okay? I'll explain royal priesthood in a little bit more, but if a king rules, and remember what Romans 5, 17 says, you're going to rule in this life, you're going to reign in this life. How much you rule, how much reign, how much authority you actually exercise is determined by how much of the kingdom of God is flowing through you at any given time. Are you with me? That went over like a lead balloon, Okay. The ability you have to rule and reign in this life is determined by how much of the kingdom of God is flowing through you. The, the, the power of God that emanates out of you is dependent upon how much of God did you actually believe him for, how much you are walking in that, how much, you revel, how, how much you believe it, how much you understand it, how much revelation you have, how much willingness of yourself to yield to him will allow you to rule and reign in this life. If you have authority but never exercise it because you don't know who you are, then you, maybe you have the capacity to rule, but you don't rule. You have to exercise it, like that muscle, okay? 
the kingdom of God flowing through you is manifested to this world by us. It's manifested through our prayers, through our lives, through signs and wonders and miracles. The kingdom of God flowing through you, people see it. So they, when they see you, do they see the kingdom of God? Do they see you love when it's not, you know, when, when, when you're in a difficult situation? Do you have kindness against meanness and nastiness? Do you have joy in, instead, of, instead of sorrow when the rest of the world is discouraged? Are you still walking? Yeah, we can do it. Okay. Do we exhibit calm in the face of a hurricane? Do we exhibit the fruit of the Spirit as well as the gifts of the Spirit? We're called a royal priesthood. Ambass- we're, 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 holy, we're a holy nation. We're, we're, we're a holy priesthood. And we're royal because our Father made it all. His Son is King of Kings. We carry the DNA of heaven in us. Our brother is the firstborn of many, Jesus. Ergo, we must be in that family, so we must be royalty as well. I had some really good jokes about royalty, but I'm not going to use them. So, but you'll be glad. Um, but here's the thing. We get all, we go to England and we, we, we watch the news and we see the royal family. I think The Crown is coming back on Netflix for a third season soon. And we, we're, we like to see what's happening, you know, in the royal family and so forth. Oh, you're royal. I, I, I don't really care what, what Queen Elizabeth or Harry and Meghan Markle or whatever her name is, you know, do. And, 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 you know, but, but I know what my brother is. He's the king of kings. And, and, and I'm royalty. I've been called to rule and reign in this life. I, I know that sounds arrogant. It's not. It's not. We're ambassadors. We represent. We, we sang in a minute ago. Spirit break out. Heaven come down. We're called to make this world around us, in our lives, in our families, in our communities, to look like heaven, to the best of our ability. Because we're no longer... In darkness, we're in light, and we're no longer uh, you know, lost dominion. We've gotten it back. Dominion means rule. So we've been called a royal priesthood to rule and reign in this life. We're owned by God. We're consecrated, set apart for him. So Adam lost it. The curse came, but Jesus reversed the curse. We're not under the curse. He came to restore to us the ability to rule and reign. That's not arrogance. That's just fact. And the way we do it is die to self and say, Holy Spirit, flow through me. Let me touch somebody with heaven. Let me show who, somebody who Jesus is. All around us, people are hurting, confused in life, and they're in pain and, and because of the turmoil that's going on around them. Have you ever seen so much mean-spiritedness in this world as there is now? We're so divided. Politics isn't helping, but it's, it, it's, it's so divided. It's all about me, and you know, you people drive like they're maniacs, and, and the, nobody else on the road. I'm going to get there where I'm going to go zip around you and cut you off, and everything else. And it's just because there's an attitude in this world of of just rush and confusion and turmoil, and and and, and because it's all about me. 
But God has called us to see them as he sees them in need of a savior. They need to experience heaven. And so what does God see? In the Old Testament, the prophets were originally called seers. They saw in the spirit realm. What Jonathan was talking about last week in an impartation was so that we could be filled with the Spirit of God so we could also see what God sees. We could have revelation to know what the Spirit is. You know, we heard a word this morning to, to hear what the Spirit is saying. Well, I can, Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father doing. I only hear what I hear the Father saying. Well, we have the same capacity that we're called to hear and to see what God is saying and right now. So, and he wants powerful, anointed men and women of God who will fulfill their purpose and the purpose that he has planned for them, that plan of God that Laura mentioned about. In the Old Testament, there were three classes of people, essentially. There was another class, but there was just normal Israel. Everyday guys, lay people, we would call them today. There was a, a ruling class of kings, and there was a class of priests. The ironical priesthood, the sons of Aaron and, and Levi, uh, they were essentially, uh, they, were the, they were the main three classes. There were some prophets here and there, but they weren't really a class that was exceptional. And many times they happened to be priests. But so you had three different classes. Well, as children of God, we have a new class. You may be sitting in the pew, but you're not lay people. I may be called to preach, but we all carry the same DNA. We're all part of the family of God. We're all children of God. There is a new class. The Spirit of God made something new out of us. When Jesus came and he died to purchase our, our freedom, he came as our high priest. A high priest is an intercessor. He, he is the one, that, it's an intermediary between between us and God, or between the people and God. But Jesus came as a new type of priest. He came in a, a, a priesthood that has a pattern from a guy by the name of Melchizedek. Melchizedek was a unique person. He was king, I mean, sorry, he was priest of the Most High God. He was alive when Abraham was alive. And it says he had neither beginning nor end and... and uh, you know, wasn't quite sure where he came from. Some people speculate he might have been Seth, one of Noah's sons. But whoever he was, Abraham, after he, Lot had been taken by four kings and the people of Sodom had been taken and all their possessions and Abraham went after him and got them all. And when he came back, he had, a, he had a meeting with this man who was a high priest. His name was Melchizedek, who also happened to be the king of Salem, what we would call Jerusalem today. And when Abraham came back, the king of Sodom said, you can keep all the spoil. He said, no, I won't do that. But I will offer a tithe. I will give 10% of the gain that I do get to Melchizedek. And this is before the law was established. The, tithe, the principle of tithing was early established as giving unto God, acknowledging that God is our source and our strength. So Abraham does that, and he gives it to the priest by the name Melchizedek, who was also king. Melchizedek was a, had, a, had a blending of king and priest. And Jesus, he says in Hebrews, is, is after the order of Melchizedek as our high priest, as king and priest. Well, you and I are in that same vein. We are also priests of the Most High God. After the order of Melchizedek, we can stand in the presence of God ourselves. And we'll talk about that more in a moment. But we are kings and priests called to rule in this world. 
You are a royal priesthood called to rule in this world. We're seated on the throne with him. We've been adopted into the family of God. We have a share of the heaven's reality in this world now. Now, it says in Hebrews 2, I mean, in 1 Peter 2, 5, that we're, we're a nation of priests. On October the 9th, I think it is, uh, I wrote it down somewhere, yeah, October the 9th, there's a big day in Israel, if you're a Jew, it's called Yom Kippur. It's the Day of Atonement. On the Day of Atonement, the high priest every year would take the blood that was from a sacrificial animal. They had two goats. One would be sent out into the wilderness called the scapegoat. He'd lay on it. It represented all the sins of Israel, and they would take it out in the wilderness and, and let it go, and you, then they killed it eventually. And, and over here, he would take one, the other goat, and he would cut, you know, kill it and take the blood, and he would go back behind the veil in the temple, and on the Ark of the Covenant, the top of the lid is called the mercy seat. Most of you all know this. And he would take that blood from that goat and sprinkle it on the, on the top of the mercy seat. And God would overlook the sins of the nation of Israel for another year. Because he would see the blood and the blood would be enough of a sacrifice because it required blood. Why? Adam was a man. When Adam, came, when Adam sinned, he, he died spiritually and he also died physically. And it will require blood for blood. Everything in the Old Testament, you know, is types and shadows of what's going to happen for us in the New Testament. So when the high priest brought that blood in there once a year for the sins of the nation of Israel, which we celebrate on the Day of Atonement, when, and that day all the Jews will repent, they'll fast for the day, they'll ask God to, to bless them, and, and they forgive them of their sins. So, but that all changed when Jesus came. I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 10 real quick. And, and so they were required by the law of Moses to do this for the sins of the nation of Israel. Everything, as I said, in the Old Testament types and shadows what God's going to fulfill in the New Testament. So the law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming. What what. What happened in the Old Testament is foreshadowing the blessing that is coming to us, not the realities itself. For this reason, it can never, by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. It couldn't do it. The blood, the blood of bulls and goats, it says, it was impossible to cleanse away. It took the same thing. Adam was a man. The blood of bulls and goats was merely representation, and God allowed it to use it to speak of what was going to happen in Jesus Christ. It took a perfect sacrifice of the same type. Adam was a man. It would take another perfect man to, represent, to take care of the sins of what Adam put upon us. And, of course, we know that Jesus is the perfect lamb, the lamb slain from the foundation of the world, a God-man, if you will. And so his blood would be required. Okay, now we're going to move down to verse 8. You can read the rest of it for yourself in chapter 10, but let's go down to verse 8, okay? He said, he's talking about David in this 51st Psalm, says, sacrifice and offerings, burnt offerings and offerings you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them, though they were offered in accordance with law. God set this up, this was the pattern, but that's not really what he wanted, Okay? And then he said, Jesus is talking about Jesus, here I am. I am here to do your will. Not mine, Lord, but your will be done in my life, right? And God has set aside the first law, the first covenant, and now he's going to, he's going to establish a new covenant 
in Christ. This is basic stuff. You understand it. And by that will, because Jesus was willing to go to the cross and he was going to be the perfect sacrifice, we have been made holy, been set apart, been made righteous through the sacrifice of the body, the physical body, the blood of Jesus Christ once and for all. Okay? Go to the next verse. Day after day, the priests, you know, once a year on Yom Kippur, but day after day, there was always a sacrifice of blood. He stands and performs his religious duty, and again and again he offers the same sacrifice, which couldn't take away his sins. Yet they did it anyway because they were told to. But when this priest, he's talking about Jesus, who is what? He's the high priest after the order of Melchizedek. He's king of kings, and he's our high priest. When this priest offered the one perfect sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. It was finished. It was finished. It was done, and never again will it need to be happened. And here comes the good news. Go, go to uh, the next verse, 25. I think, I, I think we're skipping a verse. Yeah, go see if you can find, let, let me read it to you. Uh, that's not where, that's too far. We skipped too far. If you have your Bibles, look there in verse um, 19. Having, because of Jesus' sacrifice, brothers, we have boldness. There you go to enter into the holiest of holies. In, did you know in heaven there is a representation, well, there's, there's an ark of the covenant in heaven. There is a mercy seat in heaven. And when Jesus ascended, he took his own blood and he went into heaven and sprinkled his own blood on that mercy seat. And now when Satan, who thinks he's the God of this world, accuses you of sin, all Jesus does as our advocate is point to the blood. And God says, I don't know what you're talking about because your sins have been washed away. They've been taken as far as the east is from the west. And he he doesn't remember them anymore. And not only that, because we're now, once we are in Christ, we're seated with him in the heavenly places. He says, we have boldness ourselves to go what was behind the veil. We can go into the very presence of God. We can go in where the blood itself is, and we have access to God ourselves. We don't even need, you know, we need Jesus, but we do it in the name of Jesus. We can, we can come before God ourselves and say, Father, Abba, Daddy, hear my prayers. Boldness to come into the holy of holies. Behind the throne. Go to the next verse. By a new and living way, which he has consecrated through us, through the veil. There was a veil that the high priest had to go behind every year. Now the veil is torn in two, ripped from top to bottom. And Jesus says, the word of God says, it was his own body that was broken and torn for us. When we go to communion, we, we remember the broken body of Jesus. Well, it was ripped so we could have access into the throne room of God. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God in full assurance of faith, having a heart sprinkled from an evil conscience, washed by the water of the word, washed by the blood of the lamb, and our bodies washed with pure water. Verse 23. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful who promised. Next one. And let us consider. Now here it comes. Let us consider one another to provoke each other unto good works. We're royal priests. I'm going to finish with this concept in just a moment. And then they says, don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together as some are. You know the reason we have church? We, it wasn't my idea. It was God's idea. We come together to encourage, to provoke, 
to, to, to push forward, to meet together, to lift each other up, to hold each other's arms up like Moses and Aaron. You know, sometimes it's tough when you're walking through, through a storm. It's hard to have faith in the midst of a hurricane, but you know what? God has called us to do it, but sometimes we can have brothers and sisters come alongside us and say, I'm gonna pray with you. I'm gonna be there for you. I'm gonna show others. And we take what we've learned and we go outside these four walls and we share the good news with Jesus Christ to everyone we come in contact with. We leave the trail of DNA behind us as we go with signs and wonders and miracles and all the rest of it. We don't have to have a priest intercede for us. We can draw near ourselves. We're a nation of priests. There's no longer three classes of uh, uh, believers. There's one class, a royal priesthood. As priests, we can pray to God. Think of this. We can say, Daddy... Did you know prayer obtains the impossible? Prayer obtains the impo- what seemed impossible and, and out of reach. Did you know prayer has won victories over fire, over air, over earth, over water? Prayer opened the Red Sea. Prayer brought fire from heaven and consumed a, a sacrifice. Prayer brought bread from heaven. Prayer made the sun stand still. And I don't mean, dear Lord, thank you very much. You know, thou kingdom come, will be done. Could you make the, uh, you know, the universe stop for just a You know, all Joshua said, sun stand still. The sun stood still at the cry of a man because God was with him. And he wasn't even a priest. Prayer heals the sick. Prayer raises the dead. Prayer brings about the conversion of, conversion of souls. Prayers offered in faith can do anything. Put 1 Peter 2.9 back up there for a minute. The problem for most of the church is that even the people who grasp this verse... Get caught up in the fact that we're heirs, maybe. As a royal priest, we've been blessed. We heard last week we have the favor of God. We have promises. We have a rich inheritance in this world and the world to come. We're the chosen of God. I'm chosen of God. We, we chose him. Now we're the chosen. His children. But why are we chosen? What shall we do as royal priests? This verse tells us all we need to know. Look at it there. What are we supposed to do? Show forth the praises of him who's called us out of darkness into life. As royal priests, we get to minister at God's altar. We get to to come in here and give him sacrifices of praise. We get to come in here and and offer up our our sacrifices of our finances. We offer up the sacrifice of our life. But if we're truly offering up the sacrifice of our life, okay, then we need to manifest that as we leave here. We are called to be priests, to manifest his kingdom as ambassadors, as royal priests, as his children to the world all around us in the power of his presence. That's our purpose. Now, you didn't get it. 
We are called as a royal priesthood to manifest the kingdom, okay, wherever we go in the power of his presence because that is our purpose. It's not just that we say, I'm a royal priest. I'm, my sponge is full. No, squeeze it out. Be poured out for this world. Paul talked about being poured out as a drink offering before the Lord. Okay? We are carriers of the DNA. We're carriers of the presence of his kingdom in this world. And, and we're supposed to show the world Jesus in us, Christ in us, who is the hope of glory. How do we know he's in us? Because signs and wonders and miracles flow out of you. Compassion flows out of you. Mercy flows out of you. Love flows out of you. So you cannot do it. I'm going to tell you something. We, we reach out to the world in spite of the stress of ourselves we're feeling within us. We give because we've been given. We expose to the world the truth of the gospel in the power of the spirit in spite of how we feel. We love when we don't feel like it. We show kindness even when we're being mean, you know, people are being mean to us or maybe even spit in our face. We are called to, put that verse, 1 Peter 2, 9 again. We're called to give spiritual sacrifices for him. It's our actions in this world that show people, the God, our God in us. We're his children. We're supposed to show him our, fa our father. I want you to put the 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17 for me quickly. What, what do we know? If we're in Christ, we're what? We're a new creature. We're a royal priesthood. We're the children of God. The old is gone, the new has come. And all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through God, and he gave us what? A ministry. And it's called the ministry of reconciliation. Did you know you're ministers of God? Not only are you royal priests, but you have a ministry, and the ministry is the ministry of reconciliation. What does that mean? That means that other people need to know what you know about Jesus Christ. They need to see his love. They need to see his mercy. They need to see his compassion. They need to see his truth. They need to see his power in this world. Every one of us has a responsibility and I would say an opportunity to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit to show people the love of God. He's committed to us the message of reconciliation. People are dying and going to hell, folks. We have to care about that. But let me give you a quick example. Last night, West Wednesday night, the ladies in their, their time had a guest speaker. And the woman that came runs a crisis pregnancy center here in town. And they help counsel people who've had abortions. They help prevent abortions and, and give counseling and, 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 you know, for young ladies that may be in distress. And I don't want to embarrass my daughter, but she and her daughters were praying, Lord, we want to do something. We want to do something. And so as they heard this lady speak and share her vision to help these young women, they felt like that's what we're supposed to do. And so they're going to give themselves to help to, help to do that. See, when we are heirs and joint heirs of all the promises and blessings of God in the world doesn't help the world. It helps me, but it's not just about me. I'm not called to just to consume this blessing that I've received just for myself. I'm called to be squeezed out. Why you need more anointing if you haven't used what you've got in the first place? 
And let's, let, I want to tell you something. I know we're all busy people with busy lives. But we're called to ministry for the service of the king. We're called to show forth the praises of him who's called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. And the way we do that, we've been placed here at this time and this purpose for that, for that reason. If we're going to believe that God is going to send us all these people, we're going to have to minister to them, folks. Can I tell you something right now? That there's some ladies and girls uh, working in our children's ministries, in our nursery, in the, in the toddler's room, and, and they are sacrificing their time that they'd rather have in here, but they come to church and they go there to do the work of the ministry. Because they're willing to be squeezed out. They're willing to be put out for the kingdom of God so that we can, some of the other people can have their kids taken care of and they can be blessed in here. Okay? I believe God's going to bring revival. I believe we're anointed for a time and a season. I believe all of that. I gave the word Sunday night and gave it in here a few weeks ago, and it just continues to, it's, it's Romans 8, I think it's 19. He says, all of creation waits in earnest expectation for the sons of God to be manifested. The world, even creation itself, is waiting for us to, to walk into our destinies, to manifest the kingdom of God wherever we go in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now's the time. This, this is our time for that. This is his purpose, okay? Uh, you know, I know that there's, for example, Brenda Delaney has a neighborhood Bible study. I know there's other people doing things, and, and some people make meals, other people pray for the sick, other people encourage the discouraged, they visit the lonely, they visit the, you know, the, the sick, and so forth. But, and those are all good things. But let me tell you something. If we do that, I mean, it's, unfortunately, I think it's the minority. And I'm not trying to put a guilt trip on you this morning. If we do this just out of obligation, well, that's okay, but we need to be doing it because we love him. Because he first loved us. We go door to door. We had six people show up last week, okay? And I know we're all busy. There's things we have to do. There's people not here for a variety of reasons or whatever. It's inconvenient. I know that. I get that, okay? But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't be doing something. We've been given inheritance. We've been given truth. Do you know how many people do not know what you know about God? Do not know about the nature of God? Do not know what his will is? Don't, don't, don't understand anything? Who, who are hurting and they're living in the darkness and they need to be pulled into the light. That is the, one of the ways you can show forth the praises of him who's called you is because you love me, Lord, and you brought me out of darkness into light and I want to help somebody else do the same thing. Amen. If you want to be... <laughs> I've said this a hundred times at least, maybe more, over the life of my ministry. One of the things we found early on is, you know, people say, well... Nobody loves me. I don't have any friends. And so I said, Connie said, how many friends, have you, have you gone out of the way to make a friend? Go be a friend to somebody else. You want to be, you want to have friends? I'm standing here waiting. Nobody seems to want me. I'm the last one pick whenever they play ball. Well, why don't you reach out yourself and go befriend somebody else who needs a friend? As you give, it'll be given back to you, pressed down, shaken together, running over. You need love in your life? Give it away. You need finances in your life? Give it away. Show forth the praises of him. Give a sacrifice beyond just word. Do something. 
Maybe we need a Nike commercial. Just do it, you know. But God has called us, and he's called us to be a royal priesthood in this world at this time for a purpose. Because he, he wishes that none should perish. And he wants us to do it in signs and wonders. You have authority in this world. You have, you're called to rule and reign in this life. He's called you to be overcomers. He's called you to walk in victory. He's called you to shine in this darkness. Put that last verse up for me, would you, in Isaiah? This is what the Lord told me as, as we close this time. Musicians, you can come. You know this verse. It's very familiar. Arise and shine. I remember one of the first times I ever gave that was in Spain. In a little church, a little storefront church. And we, we were in a neighborhood, and it was this little Assembly of God church that had been started there, and one of our missionaries was working there. And we were staying in that church, and somebody threw a big piece of concrete through their plate glass window while we were there because they were upset that we were there because we were proselytizing these children. You know what? Satan doesn't win. He gets upset. I didn't say there might not be struggle. I didn't say it will be all roses and, and you know, caramels or something. You know, it's, there will be difficulties. But we're called to arise and shine, for our light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon us. Okay? And, then, and see, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness covers the people. But the Lord rises upon you. Why? You're a royal priesthood. And his glory, the light of Jesus Christ, is shining through you. Nations will come to your light. I prophesy. Nations will come to this light of yours and ours. And kings to the brightness of your dawn. The time for the church to stand up and do what God has called us to do in the brightness of his coming. You know, you're anointed. You're blessed. You're highly favored. God's given you great words. You sit in air conditioning and on nice soft pews. And I know it's 93 degrees outside today. But you know what? God has called you to be, to be his ambassador, to be that royal priest who's, who intercedes for others. You don't need an intercessor, but they do, and you're the one he chose. He could have sent angels, but he chose us. God help God. He needs some help. What a plan, Lord. Surely you could have done better than us. He says, no, because I've equipped you with everything you need. You're called to rule and reign in this life. You've been favored. You have all the blessings. All your needs are met. All you've got to do is receive it. And then he says, give it away. And as you give it, I'll pour it back in. As you squeezed out with the anointing that God has given you, I will fill you back up. You need an oil change? Well, the only time I need an oil change is because I've gone miles and miles and miles in that car. And the oil gets dirty because it's been working. If my car sat there for the next six months and didn't go anywhere, it'd probably be okay to leave that oil in it. It's called you to go work. Time to do something for God in Jesus' name. Would you stand to your feet this morning? Just bow your heads with me. If you're watching this morning on our live stream or at some other point you see us, I want to ask, first of all, with every head bowed, every eye closed, is Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? You might have said a prayer one time. You might have said a prayer 10 times. But is he Lord of your life today? The Holy Spirit is the one who woos us, draws us close to him. God wants to be wanted. And he wants to be, he's a jealous God. I said, I'll, he said, I will have no other gods before me. 
If Jesus Christ is not first place in your life, if your job or your family or your alcohol or your addiction is the first place in your life, you need to get delivered. And God has given us power to do that. We will be happy to pray for you. And you can pray for yourself because God will receive your prayer, a prayer that's petitions that says, Lord, forgive me. I want to change. God will hear that and he will deliver you. Does anyone need to say, I want to get right with God this morning? Just lift your hand if you're in here this morning. For those of you watching, just ask God to forgive you. Just ask Jesus to come into your heart and live there and take over the throne of your life. Say, I want to serve you. For the rest of the rest of you, I want you to repeat after me. I am a child of God. I am the anointed of God. My unction is functioning. I think I heard that. I am filled with God. He lives in me. I'm a new creature. I'm a royal priest called to rule and reign in this life. I am called to show forth his praises to those around me by my life, my words, my actions, my faith, and God's power. I am called to serve the kingdom. I am a servant king. Amen. Jesus washed the feet of his disciples. He was the king of kings and lord of lords. I don't know where the microphone is. This is Jesus speaking. Okay, not me. In Matthew 10, Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is near. Sick. I want to do that, Lord. Amen. Raise the dead. I want a dead person to raise. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Listen to this, what he says. Freely you have received. Freely give. Amen. Amen. I'm going to play that. Let's just, let's just sing it. Just sing along with him and then we'll pray. Got something.
shall follow them that believe. In my name, they'll cast out demons. In my name, they'll speak with new tongues. In my name, they will lay hands upon the sick and they shall recover. In my name, they'll do anything. And it says in the last verse of that chapter 16 of Mark, and the Lord went with them, confirming the word, their word about him with signs following. You are supernatural, royal priests, heirs to the kingdom, children of God, highly favored, and God blessed and anointed for the work that he calls you to do. Every one of you have got a different anointing. It's the same anointing, but a different, a different place to use it. God is calling you to use it. Lift your hands to the Lord this morning. I bless you with a high priestly blessing. You're the head and not the tail. Deuteronomy 28 calls you the favorite of God. You're blessed going in and coming out, and you're blessed with all you put your hand to do. Why? Because you're heirs of salvation. You're royal priests. You're ambassadors of Christ. Your homes are blessed. Your families are blessed. Your children are blessed. Your finances are blessed. Your bodies are blessed. You are walking in the divine favor of the Lord Most High, protected, provided for, with a purpose, and in the power of the Holy Spirit. And all who agree with that say amen. Now go do it in Jesus' name. I love you. 